Content may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. listeners to WTF You're Talking About, the podcast where we don't know what we're talking about until you do. I'm Katie. And I'm Decker. And we're here to ask each other, what the fuck are we talking about? So, TLDR. We have six categories. <laughs> Why do you laugh every time I say that? Because so when you say TLDR, like, they can't read our voices. <laughs> they can't read. I know, they're all illiterate. Why do I have a book? <laughs> I have my book right here. So, TLDR, we have six categories of topics. The next episode's contents will be determined by the roll of a die. The categories are true crime, paranormal, history and education, science and technology, entertainment, and current events. We will be using an eight-sided die. So if you roll a one, then you can roll a six-sided die for those same six categories, except it has to be local. So Idaho or any state bordering Idaho, because that is local to us. Where we are sitting at this exact moment with our butts. Right now. Yup. We are Idaho. <laughs> that makes me think of uh, Book of Mormon. Where they're like, uh, Africans I, are Africa. I, I got a- Af- like... Africans are African, but we are Africa. I got like, we are farmers when I said that. <laughs> bum, ba-dum, bum, 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 bum. Are you going to go see Book of Mormon when it comes to next season? Uh, I, I need to. You I absolutely I still have never should. seen the whole show. Oh my god, it's so good. This will it's... be the third time that John and I have seen it. Yeah. If you want tickets, hit me up, because I can get them with my season ticket holder thing. Nice. The only way I hear hit me up, I think of like those weird, like, what is it? For it's a like good time kick, call. Right? <laughs> oh, kick. I never used that. Like I always heard of it, but I never or used like, it. Or like WhatsApp? I don't know. Or, or uh, yeah, WhatsApp. Ugh. Poor Jillian. I'm so sorry. Uh, Right. And if you roll an eight, because that's where we were, then you get to pick your category because that's a while. I realize we never told people what an eight-sided die is. So if they don't know what it is, it's like if you took two pyramids and you put them together. Basically. Yeah. It has eight sides. Yes. It's a die. But it'd be the square pyramid, which I used to know what the name of it was. If you don't know what an eight-sided die looks, just Google a D8. There you go. You're welcome. We've saved you the trouble. Yeah. Also, play some RPGs, and then you'll know exactly what a D8 looks like. Yeah, get on that. What are you doing with your lives? Es- your especially depending on what you play, you'll probably end up using tabletop it a lot. RPG, R- <laughs> <laughs> tabletop RPGs are better than video games. I so, said like, it. You heard it here My first. rogue uses a D8 all the fucking time, because like my rapier is a D8. I think I have... Yeah, rapier is a pretty great weapon. I have something else that's a D8, and then something that's a D4, which is... That's like a dagger that's dagger. not important. Yeah. I think I have a bow that's a Is D8. a longsword? Oh, your bow's a D8? Yeah. What the shit? I think I have proficiency in it, because it's like... I'm sneaky. Yeah, my bow's a sneaky D4. Snake. My bow's a D4. What? Actually, my dagger's a D4. You know what it is? Actually, not, I know why it is. It's, it's a D4, because I shrunk my size down to give myself a dex bonus right. and a size bonus. Well... I am... It was worth it, though, because now I can dodge nine You times. know what? I think my tiefling is about the same size I am. Like, it's it's about 5'2". <laughs> like, I'm literally the exact same size. I, but she's got, like, long purple hair, and, and she's also red, because she's a tiefling. Right. She, she, she'll she also fuck your shit up. She doesn't, she doesn't take any... If you mouth off about our show, she'll come No, see, that's you. the thing. Someone, some, so, Torment... 
my tiefling rogue, has a companion named Ash, who is a fire genasi warlock. And what's a genasi? Uh, like a, a jinn, a genie. Okay, I thought um, so. And so there's like different kinds of jinn, uh, genasi. There's like fire, water, earth, air, blah blah blah. You get what I'm saying? Love or heart? A sorry. love genie? No, I was thinking like cats and planet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Decker, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh my god, I'm so insane, man. This is great because, um, uh, so I got entertainment and I feel like this is perfect right now because my brain is fucking all over the place. It's not fucking all over the place, but it's all over the place. God, your brain is a slut. Yeah. It's such I'm a not slut shaming. It's just a statement. That's good. Just an observation. <laughs> observation. Um, well, yeah, I got entertainment. I, and I've been reading a whole bunch of books lately. I thought I was going to talk about one of them. Like one of them was Animal Farm. I never read it before. Finished really? it. Really? You didn't have to read that in high school? Here's a funny thing about me with high school. Um, Did you not do any of the assigned reading? No, it's not that. It's uh, No, because I actually really love literature. Um, but I moved from Capital to Columbia mm-hmm. uh, partway through my junior year. And when I moved was right when Capital was going to start going into all the required reading for literature. And when I moved over to Columbia, they had already done that What reading. the hell were they doing before? So I, like, I read, like, maybe a couple books, like, uh, I think I did, like, the, like, Oedipus story or whatever. Oedipus and, Rex. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but, sorry, Jillian, again. I just, this whole thing, you're gonna And have everyone to... else is like, who the fuck is Jillian? It's alright. You just have to steal your gut there. Um, but when I moved, I literally moved from right when they were going to start doing it to right when they would have finished the required reading over at Columbia. Oh. So I literally missed all the required readings, like um, Huckleberry Finn or The Adventures of Tom Sawyer or like, which my we school still did that one. We didn't do Tom Sawyer. We had, ours was Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. But for, so I took AP both years uh-huh. and that was like required summer like, reading. The only major book I did was Jane Eyre. Really? That's because I and that one wasn't required. I read that one just for myself. That one was an advanced lit, and that was also a class I flunked out of, and I had to leave. I've only flunked out of three classes before in my life. I hated that I flunked out of that one Mm -hmm. because my teacher, whose name I'll just I'm not going to give out her name. um, Whose name is (laughs) her name is Mrs. (laughs) (laughs) Jillian. I'm sorry. Why did I say it like that? Okay. For clarification, Jillian does not like those sounds. She does not like those sounds, and I keep making those sounds. Something that just sound like I hate Jillian, but um, uh, Miss the uh, she she uh, I ended up having to drop out of her class because uh, I was told I was a good writer by quite a few of my teachers when I took English classes. I could not save my life with this teacher because anything I wrote for any story, I got a D or an F. And huh. I, I could not figure out what the writing style was. Because every teacher has a writing style, right? Mm-hmm. They'll always say you need to write this way. There's never a given way. You have to figure out what your audience is and figure out how you need to write for them. That's one thing I learned in life through high school and college. So I was trying to write this and I talked to her. like, how can I make this better? What can I do? Can I get like, an extra credit and make this up? I never could get it. And at the rate I was going, I was going to flunk out of that class. And so I dropped it before it would like really hurt me. Uh-huh. I took like a withdrawal. And I also had, uh, I flunked out of math. Um, I'm actually really good at math, but it's funny because I say that, but I, I left trigonometry because my math teacher, um, <laughs> would told me basically to read from the book 
and I'm I'm a very tactile. I'm no, a hands on. I I'm a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kinesthetic. Thank you. I was like kinetically, but that wasn't what I was looking for. <laughs> I am a kinetic learner. <laughs> oh, kinetic energy. Um, what yeah. potential you have? Uh, so I'm very hands on, and if I don't get the hands on thing, I'm not. I'm not visual. Like I mean, I can see stuff, but until I actually do something with it, I can't understand the concept of it. So I dropped out of that one because mm-hmm. I was failing. And the other one I dropped out of in college because I was, well, I guess I lied. Those four classes I failed because I failed music history once, but then I actually passed it, which is funny because I have a music degree. Oops. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the other one I flunked out of was I had three professors and it was another essay one again. But each one of them had all their own different writing styles and it was random chances to who I got. So I never know which one I needed to write for. I wrote one essay and literally every time I wrote it, it went to the one professor I was hoping it would not go to. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, they tell me that they do not like this writing style, but the other two like this writing style. Fuck me. The odds. Like, did I say fuck me in the duck? Like, that's I think not, you might have. Oops. <laughs> oops. But, um. I can't words. That was a fun little tangent. Man, I'm just full of tangents tonight. Uh. Welcome to Off Topic <laughs> with Decker and Katie. No, no, this is great though. Actually, you know what? No, no. This is going to be really important because, so, and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Right? Um. Allegedly, so I hear. Yes. So my memory dictates. Uh. And I actually watched a movie that I've never seen before. That's been out for a couple years. So I'm going to be talking about Inside Out. Oh, you what? I've huh? never seen Inside Out ever. Really? Ever ever ever. No. And right now, that does me a surprise. I think no one's at the console. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm working through it. Um, but yeah, so Inside Out is a Pixar uh movie that was uh released in 2015, um going over five different emotions or it was supposedly five main emotions there's more than that of course but five main emotions that most people go through and that is joy sadness fear disgust and anger right and following these five individuals inside of a little girl's head whose name is riley Right, and Riley is born in Minnesota. She, um, the very first memory she has, and I guess it's, I think it's a core memory that she gets immediately, is um, her looking up at her mom and dad, all trying to be all cutesy and stuff, and that's when um, joy appears, right? Mm-hmm. So the very first emotion that appears is joy. And the next one that appears is sadness, and then like eventually there's more that show up inside of Riley's head, all basically taking turns at the console to indicate um, basically with what memory she gets, what emotion she should feel. In a way, it's almost like most people are guiding a machine, but not necessarily because the other person is still choosing how to react, but it's like um, it's like a learning simulation, right? Where it's like, okay, I see this thing, disgusting. Okay, so from now on, anytime I see this, my brain's going to think disgusting remind me of said thing uh-huh. and then i'm like oh that's right reinforce that behavior so i do want to take a moment to note that california adventure is adding an inside out ride because that oh. was under construction when we were there in september that's super cool but yeah no i i never saw it before i always wanted to jules um was very surprised and disappointed in me so then we immediately watched it um but yeah so riley uh she grows up in minnesota uh, the next thing she gets is a core memory from uh, hockey. Right? Mm-hmm. So 
and and all throughout her life, she's getting all these core memories, like uh, being a, like a goofball. And um, what was the elephant's name? Bing Bong. That's right. So, uh, and we'll get to him in a bit. But all these core memories are very important because they end up creating these islands in her life, and each one of them is basically a manifestation. Uh, it, no, it's it's attributes that create the personification of what Riley actually is. Right? Mm-hmm. They're like massive traits. So these are very important memories. All the other memories get saved um, or sent to basically the um, conscious or like long-term memory area to see if they're going to be beneficial for Riley in the future or not. If they're not, they're going to get sucked out and thrown into the subconscious and basically get erased. Um, by erased, I mean they're going to go into the void and unless they become recovered, they're going to be forgotten. Right, like it's basically like the death of mm-hmm. memory, um, forgetting. And then, right, and then if they are good, then they'll be held on into the long term, and they might even be sent back up to the brain. My favorite, favorite moment in the movie is there is one memory that they send up there consistently, and it's that bubblegum song, and <laughs> it makes me laugh because basically it's like the song that's supposed to be super catchy, and like you can't get it out of your head. And every so often, they introduce it, right? And you find out about this after um, all all these emotions. They're working on the console, and Riley ends up moving from Minnesota to California. Uh, and inside of there, she has all these mixed emotions, of course, where it's like disgust because the place looks like trash and upset because she's away from home and now her her friend's not even her friend necessarily anymore because she has her other friends now Mm -hmm. and so all these things are kind of falling apart in her life and she goes to school and the teacher asks her what like to tell her uh, a little bit about herself and while this is happening right joy is there like reminding her of all these good memories and stuff and a sadness goes up to the memory that's being displayed and she touches it mm-hmm. and she makes it sad. And all of a sudden, this is something that Joy freaks out about because she can't reverse the sad memory now. Mm-hmm. She, like she's basically making it like perma sad, like permafrost, right? Because it turns <laughs> this like blue color. And Riley all of a sudden starts getting all upset. And now all these memories are making her very sad and so she goes from recalling like laughing about these memories and stuff to becoming very sad and starting to cry mm-hmm. in front of everyone and everyone's like oh shit this is bad abort 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 <laughs> because she's like all the cool girls now are making faces everyone's starting to talk now they're like we need to like get this all together and it kind of falls apart and so um then all of a sudden there's a core memory that rolls in and it's a blue one and joy is like not having it at all because she's like all the ones in here are happy that's what they all need to be, or at least so she thinks. Mm-hmm. And once this one starts coming in, she literally makes a point to keep that one out. And Sadness is like, no, this one has to go in. They start fighting over everything. All the core memories get um, knocked out of this basically core memory area. And they both get sucked up into this tube that's a retractor tube that takes back a memory down. And all of a sudden now you've lost two emotions and six core memories. Mm-hmm. And this is basically the start of um, the problem. Everyone going, oh shit! Right, because now all you have left in the brain is fear, disgust, <laughs> and, and anger. anger. Which I'm like, <laughs> which that, is puberty. Yeah, sounds like puberty, which I thought was really funny at the end. They're like, oh, the puberty button. This one must not be important. Uh, like, oh boy, um, the but, worst. Right. So in this movie, though, they get sucked down. They start traversing throughout things. 
Um, Joy thinks that basically anything sadness does is bad. She in herself must be bad because she's always sad. And she makes everyone else sad, right? Um, anytime she tries to get her to recall a memory, the only thing she can ever think of is of that memory in a sad way. Right? In a way that would make you cry. Or like something that resulted prior or after it making them sad. And so Joy's actively basically... What's funny is like Joy in a way is actually the main antagonist of the show in my thoughts personally because of how she treats all the other emotions and she's like she'll let other people like drive for a little bit but all the major like like emotions and stuff she joy has to be the most mm -hmm. in her thing like you know it's like she sees she's like another good day when it's almost virtually her completely any corner that comes in she's like i've done good like i'm doing whatever like this is what needs to be done for riley which in a sense is um minimizing the healthy relationships between emotions. Mm -hmm. And you can see this in the adults because the adults have all these different consoles and stuff and they have all these different emotions, but they're all working together on these larger consoles. What was that? I dropped what I was holding. There it is. <laughs> um, Into the abyss. Right. And so they all have these consoles, but they're all discussing each other and they're all figuring out what to do together mm -hmm. right whereas the other emotions in riley's brain they all look to joy for what needs to be done specifically only joy it's not mm -hmm. like a joint effort um but they're going throughout they're seeing all these memories joy's very upset that she's seeing all these memories get dumped and they're like we can't hold on to all of these like riley can't she'll get overloaded we have to get rid of all the ones that are important they're not important because they fade gray. So as soon as they fade gray, we dump them out because clearly they aren't important to Riley. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be reinforced. So they go throughout and Joy's trying to get back. And as this is happening, anytime there is a main event that could correlate with one of these islands, like Friendship Island. Um, what was it? Friendship, Hockey, Goofball, Family, and Trust. I think, or uh, maybe it's not trust, I think it's Honesty Island. Those are the five islands, right? Anytime something happens with one of those islands, and, like, that that thing comes up, because none of them are in the console, and they don't know how to respond properly, and the core memories aren't there, as soon as that comes up, it basically fails, and the island totally dissipates. It's, like, gone. And it falls It falls into the void, mm -hmm. which we're like, is that's not a great thing, because that means that she's going to forget mm -hmm. the things that she loves, right? And she's basically having this inner battle between what she's doing and what she's feeling so after a while they find they find bing bong which is a imaginary friend that she has and they start directing them to go back up to the central headquarters which is where all the emotions are at and after a long like a series of things that happen eventually both joy and bing bong fall into this pit mm -hmm. accident uh, the reason why they fall into the pit was Joy tries to keep Sadness from going back up. She basically says that Sadness is just going to hurt Riley. Mm -hmm. And she, she can't afford to have Riley be sad. So she literally is like, basically, fuck off. And she tries to go up. Then it breaks. Then they both fall down. Now, Bing Bong, this is a sad scene. Jules was upset that I didn't cry about it. But, like, I mean, I still thought it was sad. I'm like, I don't have to cry every time. Um... But uh, they get in this pit, and Bing Bong's magic ship that's powered by, which really is just a wagon with like some cardboard stuff on it, uh, their magic thing that gets powered by song, mm -hmm. I'm trying to use this to go back up. 
and they can't get back up because there's too much in it. So Bing Bong at the very last minute, as soon as it's about to go take off, he bails out. He has Joy sing, and she barely makes it up there. And then you see Bing Bong, he's like, take her to the moon, because that's one of the things he said he was going to take Riot to the moon. And he just disappears. And that's oh. so sad, because it's like, oh my gosh. Bing Bong, and, right, no. and, know, and he's like, she's like, I will. And I'm like, but you never bring up the I never remember her, there being, being a scene like where it reminds her of the moon or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but eventually they, uh, Joy realizes down that pit that sadness is actually a critical part for Joy to even occur because without sadness, there wouldn't be these tight bonds like showing like being distraught or things that are hurting you. And you have to have these other emotions in order to feel any other ones. Otherwise it's just stale. So what? she decides that she needs to get sadness with her because if she doesn't have sadness there, Riley can't recover. Mm-hmm. So in a way, like Joy realizes that she needs to have sadness in order for there to actually be joy in Riley's life. And they find their way eventually back up to the top. Uh, meanwhile, the other three have been literally just wigging out all over the place, not knowing what to do because anytime that they interact with the console, it's going to emote that response because that's what those emotions mm-hmm. are, right? Even though Fear looks like... A concerned professor. He reminds me of. He makes me think of Ross from Friends. It's funny. He made me think of. um, I think it's Panic, like a more business. As in, like Pain and Panic from. uh, Yes, that's what I was. That was the vibe I was getting from. Um, Just because he's like wigging out all the time. Yeah, yeah. And And he's kind of pointy. Disgust has these uh, stupid amount of eyelashes. Hey, uh, hey, I would love to have those eyelashes. Like this. They're just like, they're all the way up to like above her head. That's because you have man eyelashes, which are perfect. My lashes. And of course you do nothing with them. I know. Well, I mean, I would. I mean. In... I, have fr- I have a friend who has the most perfect eyelashes ever, but of course he's a guy, so he doesn't do anything with them. Are we talking about me still or are we talking about someone else? Someone else. Okay, cool. And I was like, I don't think they're that great, but. No. <laughs> No, he has, like, the longest eyelashes I've ever seen, and they're beautiful and full and gorgeous, and he's just like, meh, whatever. Yeah. Not my thing to do anything with it. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, but this was something that actually brought up a very interesting point in my head, uh, was with this. Because when they get back, they realize <laughs> that they all need each other, and that there's not just one emotion that has to be evoked from something. You can have mixed emotions. And at the end, you start seeing Riley only had five things in her head, and then again, like 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 the five major things in her life that were really important to her. But after this whole catastrophic events and like remembering all these sad events and stuff, <coughs> bless you. Thank you. After remembering all these sad events, um, she uh, she was going to run away from home, and because they planted the idea in their head. That um, she was never going to be happy here. In order to make Riley happy, she has to go back to Minnesota. So Riley tries to run away from home. Luckily, Joy and Sandus get back just in time to prevent her from doing that. Sandus is actually the hero in this story because Sandus is the one that basically shows her that she does not want to do this. Right? Because it will make her tremendously sad. So they steal the idea out. Thank goodness. And Sandus converts all the core memories that they ever had from happy to all sad. And Riley 
uh, cries and there's a reunion and everything's all good. And at the very end, you see a whole bunch of orbs on all mixed emotions. So it's not just one emotion. It's like you have joy with disgust and you have like fear with anger, with sadness. And, mm-hmm. and it's really great because then you see a massive amount of core memories and all these islands back behind her. So um, and in a sense, this kind of trauma almost jumpstarted her um, emotional um I'm going to say emotional wisdom. That's not the word I'm going for, but I'm going to say that because like through this all, she realizes that she doesn't have to have all just one emotion. There can be so many different emotions about one event. I think it's really cool because it's, I love how healthy the entire thing is because no emotion is bad. They're all important. And in the end, one of the ones that everyone always considers bad is actually in a sense, the hero of the entire mm-hmm. story. I feel like our society kind of pushes like being happy all the time and putting up this front of like, oh, everything is fine. Everything I, is fine all the time. It's fine. Uh, I'm fine. This is fine. Yeah. Um, and But one of the things that really caught, really caught my attention and I felt like it was very subtle, but to me it was huge, was the parents and other people when it went to their heads, what emotion was dead center doing most of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Because in the mom's head, the the one that was doing like a lot of like the dialogue about like what they should do and stuff, like she was looking for advice and stuff, and then they were acting together, was sadness. Mm-hmm. Was the mom's. Dad's was the anger. Right? And then other ones of them had different ones. Some of them had fear leading the home. And that makes me think that when they were growing up, when they were younger and stuff, what emotion was most prevalent? Is that mm-hmm. reflective of how they grew up? Because not everyone gets a great life. And that doesn't mean you can't have a healthy, uh, you can't have good mental health. Mm-hmm. Right? Like sometimes, It doesn't mean you grow up to be a serial killer. Right. And you might have some other things that maybe like initially, like you might be initially fearful of things, but with exposure and with support, you can have a healthy mindset. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I thought for me, I was like, that's really fucking cool because it wasn't always joy heading it. Joy was just the first thing that happened for that kid because the kid was first laughing and then it immediately went to sadness, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, like, for me, I'm like thinking, like, what was their stories? Why were, why is sadness the one in the middle of the console? Why is she the one in the mom's head? Like, did the mom have, like, a hard life growing up and was, like, abandoned? You know, for me, it was just really crazy. Well, Matt, you could even go in further to be like with you know with mental illness. Do they have some sort of a like a chemical imbalance to where that is just in the helm, whether it wants to right. be or not? Which brings me to the bus guy. The bus guy was fucking hilarious in a way, but I also like was concerned about it because the bus guy's emotions, like everyone has a color. Right, joy is yellow, sadness is blue, fear is purple, disgust is green, and anger is red. But in the bus driver's head. They all had all the different colors, but the model of the emotion was all anger. Mm-hmm. There was a yellow anger. There was a purple anger. And yeah. so I was like, and then they all just went off simultaneously. I'm like, hey, that sounds like a very unhealthy, mm-hmm. like something's, something's up with his head. But like I, the fact that they showed that off was very. Gosh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. I, I thought it was very genius. And the whole premise of it was done um what was it uh director pete doctor he had a kid named uh ellie who was going through some stuff and that was kind of like a catalyst that propelled this whole movie going forward 
and he got child psychologists involved and other uh, psychologists involved. That uh, one was from uh, was it University of California Berkeley, where like they went over the emotions and they even had some other emotions uh, that they were kind of as well, but they felt like it was too much because I guess there's six main emotions. The other one's surprise. Oh wait, emotions. I never thought of surprise. Ah! I never thought of surprise <laughs> as a emotion. I thought uh-huh. it was more as like a response. Mm-hmm. But I guess it is one. But then they also had ones which is um, uh, was it, Schadenfreude, I believe is how it's pronounced. Schadenfreude, yeah. Yeah, which is the uh the emotion of finding pleasure in someone, in someone else's, else's pain. pain. Yeah, we've I'm talked like, about that before. Yeah. and you've been like, what? That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, and so um, there's that one. And then there's also... Uh, side note, there is a Schadenfreude song in uh, Avenue Q. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Look that up. Yeah, and there's another motion called, I think it's Inoi, mm-hmm. which is a different name for bored. Huh. Yeah. And the, there's that one, and then of course there's Pride and Hope. And I actually have like this whole wheel up here that I found that I thought was really cool because it's basically like the... The intensity of that emotion, right? So mm-hmm. you have joy, and then you have like serenity and like optimism and like all this other stuff that's kind of like a mixture of both things, right? So I thought this was huh. very interesting because you have like that is really interesting, right? Because you have like, I appreciate that everything rage, is color color coded, right? And so you have vigilance, anticipation, interest, and then it becomes like with joy and anticipation, it becomes like optimism, mm-hmm. right? Or, like, it's, love and, like, trust becomes... It's like, like a Venn diagram, except it's got, like... It's like a flower. It's eight seven? different, eight? like, things that it's combining. Yeah. And, I mean, there's... I've, I'm gonna love to do this for another day, because there's, like, literally so many fucking emotions that are inside of here. But, um... I just loved how... Even the minor details really stuck out to me mm-hmm. with that. And also, side note, apparently there was a lawsuit about this movie. Really? Um, Denise Daniels, in 2017, was going to sue them because uh, for breach of contract because she had been working on a creative project called The Moodsters with a very similar theme. Huh. But it went to court, but it died there because supposedly, um, while there was conversations about it, there was no grounds for a contract implied at all throughout that dialogue Mm -hmm. so it was almost like hey here are some ideas but because there's no contractual agreement to honor said ideas lol (laughs) yeah so that's why you should be careful with ideas that you share yeah you might just give away an idea that's really fucking good huh yeah that's what i was talking about so okay well i need to pause for a minute because i am bleeding oh no jacks Oh. Hi, sweet girl. Hi, sweet girl. Oh, hi, That's cool. So, now that we've talked about emotions here, and you told me that whatever this is is going to be gross, <laughs> I've prepped my disgust emotion. Oh, good. It's all ready. You'll need it. Good. So, Katie, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, so I had science and technology, and I've had something that I've wanted to talk about. Or I mean, I guess it's been on my list of things to talk about, because I found out about it. God damn it found out about it a while ago uh hot tip drunk <laughs> okay words hard enunciation difficult we'll work on it i'll uh, i'll be your interpreter uh oh you need this <sighs> that i mean it doesn't you. help with how late it is right now <laughs> <coughs> 
I mean, also the fact that like I can't feel my lips is like a problem. Islands of life. <laughs> I got it. I can feel it for you. <laughs> They're there. Um. All right. So. Please don't. I don't even want to set the scene for this. <laughs> just, just go. go I'm just. In. We're just gonna don't go. Don't warm me up. Just. So Unless naturally, you like, lube, like oh just, oh just, just oh go for oh, it. um, as I am intoxicated, Did I you. You're supposed to disgust me. As I am intoxicated, definitely the first thing I should say is Latin. Okay. Him. Okay. I mean, yeah. Draconcolis medinili. Me, hold on, let me try that again. Draconcolis. Medininisis. Nope, that was too many sisses. Do you want me to get a give it a shot? Medin Medininsis. Medininsis. Okay. Draconcolis Medininsis. There we go. Cut out cut out those failed attempts. I mean I like it. I was like, you're probably not going to do that, so you're just gonna have me saying cut it out and then it won't be cut I'll out. I'll just cut that one out. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> this is also known as the guinea worm. Guinea. So yeah, so that's its common name. It is a parasitic worm that is known to Oh god. I, I so only affect humans, but generally only affect humans because Let's get a pop quiz about this by the way, cuz if you guys did not listen to my parasite episode <laughs> at all, I'm not um, define what that means. So when I say only humans, it was mainly only humans. Okay. So we'll, it's a parasite uh human specific, but we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, Guinea worm disease is considered a neglected tropical disease. Um, and so that's... It's weird. I almost got that exact same image in my head. Like, I was thinking, like, if I, like, feet get too wet, like, it's sort of tro- tropical forest and stuff. Huh. It was very weird. Funny you should mention feet. My subconscious memory. Oh, I forgot. I have things in the drive for you. Oh, God. You're not gonna like them. I... Thanks. <laughs> you told me you were gonna warm me up. Yup. Right, so it's considered a neglected tropical disease, which that's because we live in a first world country, so these aren't things that we have to worry about, so it's very easy to put them... Is it this one? Did you say science and technology, or did you say history and education? Science and technology. You need to refresh again, because I should have a new folder in there. There you go. That's weird. I literally just came to this. Um... Stop. Yeah, I'm so not, you not, you I'm can not, look away from this. I'm, not, I'm at fucking the over it. I'm over it immediately. <laughs> I've seen these pictures before, and it's very unfortunate. I don't even know how I knew I had. It's fine. Just go. Anyways, so I mean, we live in a first world country. America is a first world country. We don't have to deal with things like this, so it's very easy to put them, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Not my problem. Cool. La 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 la. It's land I live in. <laughs> la 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 la. Yeah, la la la. la. The right. sequel to La La Land. Oh God. Uh, anyways, I've lost my place. Um, oh, but it's easy to ignore them because we're not likely to come into contact with them. But they do pose a, like, a great danger to the people that do come in contact with them and have to live with this in their everyday life. So some neglected tropical diseases include guinea worm disease, as we will be talking about, African sleeping sickness, Hansen's disease, which we've talked about already, that is leprosy, rabies, and hookworm, just to name a few. And trench foot. I remember that one. <laughs> I don't think that's a tropical disease. Uh, it can lead to, um, 
I mean, it used to be, I remember in my health class it was classified as one because they said that it was, it could lead to like rash slash degradation of skin. But maybe that was just the end result. I, say, I don't think that makes it a tropical disease. Yeah. Just because your flesh falls I got this in skin. Germany. It's a tropical disease. <laughs> Ah, yes, in the German tropics. <laughs> I was going to say, like the tropics of Germany. <laughs> Guinea worm disease is... What would even be in that tropical I, forest? I don't even want to know. Uh, the Klimpaloon? No, that lives in the Swiss Alps. Have the you fucking what? Have you not seen Phineas and Ferb? I have. They talk about the Klimpaloon. I haven't seen all the The magical old-timey bathing suit that lives in the Himalayas. Not the Swiss Alps, which I just said, which was wrong. It's the Himalayas. They call him Klimpaloon. Okay. And he sings his song. You go ahead. You keep going. I love Phineas and Ferb so much. Irrelevant to the story about the guinea worm. So the guinea worm disease is rarely fatal. However, it is incredibly painful and incapacitating. And it comes, like, seasonally, sort of. Makes sense. Um, like, probably, like, like cause... But the seasons that it comes in is very, like, it's, it's detrimental. They're important seasons, um, which I will get into that a little bit later. So it's, it's at times when things would normally thrive, and unfortunately that also means like, it thrives, right? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, hold on, let me get to that thing in my notes. I'll just talk about it right now. Cool. Um... Do, do, do. I'd love to do a hopscotch, but I got freaking guinea worm. What? Hopscotch. I, I don't understand. Because the guinea worm, the picture I saw had to do with the foot. Oh, yes. Well, it's in my notes somewhere. We'll get there. Okay. Um, But so it generally, it comes in like times of like harvest and planting and things like that. When people need to be able to work to feed themselves and their families. Right, that's what I meant, sorry. So, um, it happens in times that are really important for, like, the population, like, survival. Like, yeah. Like, being very, like, bountiful, things are really good, but unfortunately it also means that things are really good for that parasite. I don't necessarily know if that's what that is, like, for the parasite. It's just that that's when it's like, cool, let's go. Okay. So it can cause a lot of missed work. And not just like, oh, three days, I've, I've missed work, oh no. Like, months at a time. Because it incapacitates you. Yeah. It can, like, in children, it causes a lot of missed school. Also, if, you know, an adult has this and cannot work, a lot of the times the children have to leave school to go make up for that work. Yeah. To be able to provide for the family. Um, and, like, people that are incapacitated by guinea worm not only can they not care for their family but they generally can't care for themselves as well so the life cycle of the guinea worm so the guinea worm larva is in a water source generally a stagnant water source the larva is eaten by water fleas uh that's a predatory crustacean that's probably as crustaceans yeah oh they're very they're very small uh so they are eaten by these water fleas, also known as copepods. And while they're inside these copepods, they develop into their, like, infectious stage, which I think was technically, like, stage three or something. But so their infectious stage in these water fleas, cool. Um, And they can survive in these water fleas for up to four months. 
Which to me seems like a really long time. Inside of water fleas. Yes. And if you remind me again, how do they get in the water fleas? Are they... The water fleas eat them. So, so something's... That'd be like, I eat something... You eat a fish and it stays alive in your stomach for four alive. months. That's like the fear of like one time I ate. That's like you ate a watermelon seed. And it grew within. <laughs> I'll be full for a while. <laughs> so the four months just seems like an astronomical amount of time for something to stay alive inside something else. Not like, oh, I'm growing this baby. Like, no, I ate this thing and it's alive. I wanted to be pregnant, so I ate it. Ooh. I don't think that's how that works. Apparently it does for the water flea. I mean, I had ribs tonight and I don't think I'm going to be pregnant with a cow, so... You have another set of ribs, though. That's that's a lot of staring. (laughs) Yes, you will have to cut that out. I'm cutting that out. (laughs) So, you have the guinea worm larva. Okay. In the water flea. The water flea is in the water. A human collects the water, drinks this contaminated water, therefore ingesting the water flea. The water flea dissolves in the gastric acid in the stomach. However, the guinea worm larva does not. I survived the flea. So the water flea has now dissolved. The larva is free inside the stomach. It makes its way to the intestinal wall. I'm viewing this as if I'm a part of the magic school bus in this frizzle Like Osmosis Jones style? Yeah, like, <laughs> Yeah, so it makes its way to the intestinal wall. Doing wormy things that are terrible and awful. Acts like Celia. Basically. Ew. After a hundred days, the male and the female mate. A hundred days! About, like, like, me, like, like, what's happening here? What? The male and the female, like, I wasn't sure if you're talking about the worms or, like... The worms! <laughs> Now I have been... Not I'm, like, yes, now the host. Passed, I must mate with you. <laughs> no, 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 no. The worms. The worms. The worms that were in the flea, that are in the stomach, that migrate to the intestinal wall. are like, cool, let's get it on. It's been 100 days. Okay. Gotcha. So 100 days later, after you've ingested these, they mate. The male becomes... Uh, well, I should say. The male... Meh. The male becomes encapsulated and dies in the tissues. I hate that we always die. I mean, except for me, World's actually. smallest violin. <laughs> or we get our hands Can you eaten, hear it? <laughs> you know, like praying mantises. They have the right idea. I, that's fine. I mean, when we mate, we don't kill them, and it's not going so well for us. So. I appreciate that. <laughs> I like living. I've died a while ago. <laughs> so male dies. He's encapsulated in the tissues. Okay, bye. The female, however, moves down the muscle planes to the extremities, generally the lower extremities. The muscle planes. Yes. Please elaborate on what that means. So that's like where your muscles are? So you, like... Like the myofibrils, not... like a, through like my actual muscle tissue? Yes. Oh god. Meaning that it's not like in your like subcutaneous fat. It's in your muscles, just like worming around, blah and, blah blah blah. Okay, and does it actually like... Does it break down that muscle as it's going through? Uh, not necessarily while it's going through. Sure. Okay. Sorry. No spoilers. Right. <laughs> spoilers. Gross. Anyways. So, moving around, getting to a lower extremity. 
about one year after infection, so after you have ingested those water fleas and let set those larvae free, the female is like, you know what? I should get rid of all of this larvae that I have stored up inside me. So while it's in a lower extremity, generally like a foot or a leg, something like that, occasionally it'll be an arm or a hand or something. It's usually a foot or a leg. Um, I think I read somewhere that it's like... I'm going to leave my hand out. 80 to 90% it's going to be like a foot or a leg. It causes, like, so she creates an allergic reaction in your body that causes a blister that burns and is incredibly painful. So On the inside? Uh, both. Okay. So what do you do if you have something that is, like, burning in sensation? You try to cool it. And how do you do that? Put it back in bad water. Yes. So you have this thing that burns. You stick it in the water. I just lick it a lot. So, ew. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> can you even lick your foot? I don't think you can reach that Here far. Here we go. Ready? I could. You'd really have to stretch your tongue there. Oh, that would have been fine. I don't want to lick my foot. I'd prove it. You... <laughs> <laughs> Only on this show <laughs> am I ever asked to lick my foot and will I do it. Here oh, good go. job. You made it. That's great. Congratulations, yeah. you have guinea worm. No! In my tongue. <laughs> That's not how that works. Damn. So, she's in the foot, it burns, you stick it in some water to cool it, she's like, oh, I feel this temperature difference. I must release my larva. So she bursts through the blister she has caused, and releases her larva into the water that you have stuck your extremity in to cool it. Because um, it thinks that it's in the water. No, it knows that it's in the water because it feels the temperature difference. Right, right, but like, and it has to be in the water to release its larva. Right, but does it like? Is this like a goal of the parasite? Yes. Its goal is to actually live in our feet. Its goal is to get into the water. Right. So, like, this is like it thinks that it's like. I mean, it's in water, right? Because that blister. But it like this is an unintentional consequence of it. It's goal like like normally like tapeworm and stuff, like it wants to live in our gut. Like uh-huh. that's its end goal. Like this is this I, Yeah, is... I think it's like a side effect that it goes to the feet because that will go to the water. Right. Which is kind okay. of a weird thing where it's like, this is a parasite, how does it know that? Yeah. Ew, gah, it has freaking dowsing rods. <laughs> Where's the water? Uh... <laughs> it's that it's that guy that's like gonna go in there. It doesn't have any hands, but it's holding these two rods and it's like, yep, we gotta go towards his foot. This is the one. So it releases its larvae into the water through this blister. Okay. Where it can then, the larva can then be ingested by the copepods, and the cycle begins all over again. Yay! That's not a real yay. What happens when they're not ingested by the copepods? See, that's the thing. Since it's generally a human-only disease, if you can stop it, it stops and it can go away, mm-hmm. which we'll get into that later. Okay. So as I mentioned, the transmission is generally like kind of seasonal in dry regions. People generally get infected during the rainy seasons and in wet regions, people generally get infected during the dry seasons. And this is because both of those times is where there is stagnant water. Right. So in the rainy season, there's been so much water that it's pooling around. In the dry season, it's because it's not flowing. So there's stagnant water both times. 
one year after infection is when people begin to feel or be <laughs> one year after infection is when people begin to feel ill symptoms include Whoa, it takes a year yes so you can be infected for a whole year before you know and you only know that like the only way to be like oh yes you have guinea worm disease is when the worm is sticking out of your body so that's unfortunate you want a grand prize right so <laughs> symptoms include slight fever an itchy rash nausea vomiting diarrhea and disney dizziness disneyness no that's no disneyness it's when you watch too much disney <laughs> Say, i have not a thing. i have disneyness <laughs> i do not have dizziness so yeah those are all super fun right and just what you want before a worm bursts forth from your body yeah, it's freaking like alien on your foot. Basically. Foot burser. So Moving. the blister develops in 80 to 90% of cases it's on a lower body part. So a foot, a leg, somewhere around there. And it gets bigger and more painful uh, over several days until the person, you know, puts the affected body part in, the, in cool water to ease it. The worm detects the temperature change, bursts out of the blister to release its larva. So now in addition to those other symptoms that I just mentioned, you also have a worm sticking out of your body. So that's A plus. Cool. The migration of the worm in the body is also very painful. And especially like in the articular spaces, it can lead to permanent disability, much like polio. So Whoa. this is why so you're... enough of them. Mm -hmm. So even though it says uh, like this, this parasite is not, it's generally not fatal it can really fuck your shit up it can be debilitating yes uh secondary infections of the blister where the worm does burst i keep saying burst forth i feel um, like you know it's getting alien by like, right yeah. um maybe it's the movie that we just watched uh, possibly we just watched ready player one and there is definitely a chest burster scene right there yeah in there um, out of freaking goro from mortal Kombat. yeah great so secondary infections of the blister where the worm has decided to emerge from are also common, and that can lead to pain and inflammation and temporary disability for a few weeks to, se like, to several months. Uh, and that's if you're lucky. Without proper care, the infection can result in cellulitis, which is like redness, swelling, and this can lead to things like MRSA, which, not good. MRSA's not a great thing Nope. Uh, abscesses or boils, mm -hmm. sepsis. Oh, being super septic, not good. That's all. That's like sep sepsis and MRSA. Don't uh huh. They're great together. Septic arthritis, which is a joint infection. Never even heard of that. And that can cause joints to lock and deform again, like polio. Oh my gosh. And like tetanus, lockjaw. These are all super fun things that you definitely don't want. And these are secondary to the guinea worm. So the guinea worm isn't necessarily causing these, but it has caused this, like... It's indirectly Ulcer, lesion, these. blister, whatever, wherever it has come out of your body, and that gets infected. The only way to treat guinea worm disease is by removal. So there isn't any kind of medicine. It's just wait for the worm to stick out and then take it out. Oh my gosh. So you literally have to try and coax it out of your foot. Sort of. This can only be done once the worm has already come out of the blister. There's no vaccine or medicine to treat or prevent guinea worm or anything like that. 
and removal is a slow and painful process. I believe it. So go to the drive. I don't want to. I know, you don't want to, but you have to. Uh, hit that, hit up that last picture. You can see there that there's like this weird little orange, orange? Why did I say orange? It's white. This, I can kind of see like There's like this little white, it looks like a piece of thread type thing wrapped around the stick. Back, the back of his ankle? I'm trying to figure out where this is at. Yeah, I think that's the back of an ankle. I think that's his heel. It's, it's definitely a lower extremity there. Okay. Um, so yeah, they've like wrapped it around a stick, which I will talk about that a, a little I bit think, later. Well, I think it's a match. Oh, yep. I think it is a match. Yeah. A match stick. Still a stick. Ha huh. ha. Yeah. You, you can leave the picture should you desire to, oh, which no. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm over it. So once the worm begins emerging, the first step is to do a controlled submersion of the affected area in a bucket of water. So this causes the worm to discharge a lot of its larvae thus becoming much less infective. Mm -hmm. uh, then the water that was used for this has to be disposed of far away from the water source, just like on the ground where it's not going to come in contact with any more water because it's full of larva. Gross. So the, in addition to making it less infective, the submersion also causes the burning sensation to ease a little bit, and it makes the extraction of the worm a little bit easier. To extract the worm, uh, a person wraps it around a piece of gauze or a stick, or like that picture I showed you where it's a matchstick, mm -hmm. and they gently massage the area around the blister to help loosen the worm. And it can take, so basically they just wind it up to help get the worm out. And you have to go very, very slowly, very carefully. This so can, you don't just break the worm. Uh-huh. This can take several days to several weeks. And something that I thought was really crazy is that this is the same removal technique that was noted in the famous ancient Egypt medical text, the Ebers Papyrus, from about circa 1550 BC. You're telling me we have the same medical technique? Yes. From 1550 B.C. Mm-hmm. Now... And there's definitely, like, the guinea worm. It's not mentioned as the guinea worm, but it's definitely mentioned, like, in the Bible. So for 3,500 years, we have yet to improve upon that one medical technique. Yup. Okay, well, here's the thing, though. It can be removed surgically. Hmm. However... In rural Africa, surgery is not necessarily going to be your best option. Right. And there's something that you can take that would actively help to, like, mm -hmm. get rid of it out of your... Is it because it goes through the muscle tissue and, like, there's not really... I think that's way? part of it, because, like, with a tapeworm, you kill it and then it just, like, you it passes through. through your body. Right. Whereas this isn't in your digestive tract. It's in your it's muscles. In, yeah, it's in the limbs. Which I will talk about that a little bit more. Uh, people have said that the extraction of the worm feels like the whole area. So I would assume that means if, like, if it's in coming out of your foot, probably like your whole leg just feels like it's on fire. Uh, and if an infection is identified, it can be surgically removed by a trained doctor. However, most extractions are done by trained volunteers in remote areas of Africa. So having it surgically removed is not necessarily a viable option. And it's super important not to break the worm during removal. Broken worms tend to either petrify or putrefy. 
leading to a severe allergic reaction around the worm. So putrefaction leads to the skin sloughing off around the worm. And petrifac- uh, petrification is really, really bad if the worm happened to be wrapped around a joint or a vein or something else important like that. That's where you can probably get the arthritis, right? Probably, yeah. Because it, it basically causes everything to stiffen up. Because mm-hmm. And locking and I hate being like petrified that. when I'm playing games. Like, right? It's not great, but <laughs> when it leads to instant death. Uh-huh. Um... And so just think about like having a worm wrapped around like your knee joint and then it petrifies. You can't necessarily get it out. So what are you going to do? You're just stuck there. In addition to your body reacting to this foreign body that has died and is giving off all of these like, oh, I'm dead, whatever signals causing a severe allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. That's where you get these debilitating issues. Right. Uh, and pain can actually continue for months after the worm is even removed. And that's if you get it out all, get all of it out. Uh, it was discovered that while antibiotic ointments do help prevent infection, they actually cause the wound that the guinea worm has emerged from to heal too quickly, thus making it Harder. much more difficult to get the worm out without it breaking. And if the worm breaks, removal has to be stopped immediately and resumed like the next day or a couple days later to prevent the worm from retreating into the body where you can't get at it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, guinea worm disease only a- occurs in the poorest 10% of the world's population uh, who have, that they don't have access to safe drinking water, medical access, or like uh, healthcare, things like that. To put that into perspective, though, right, if there is about, I think we're at 7.5 billion people now in the world, Mm -hmm. that's 750 million people, Mm -hmm. which is, how many people do we have in our state now? Oh, I have no idea. 1.5 mil? Sure. Sounds good. (laughs) It's a lot more. Uh Actually, no, no, that's what it is. The United States has 230 million people, Mm -hmm. which means... It's like three times the United States. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of people. That is a lot of fucking people. Uh, so due to this disease's ability to incapacitate people, it is not only a disease of poverty, but is also a cause of poverty. Right, because you can't Because work. you can't work to f- support yourself, your family, XYZ, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The Carter Center uh, heads up the guinea worm eradication program. And thanks to their work, the guinea worm, guinea worm disease is set to be the next human disease to be completely eradicated. Uh, also, it will be the first parasitic disease to be eradicated, and the first done so without a vaccine. So what, what's kind of their process then? Because the main way that they get this disease is by ingesting uh, contaminated water, mm-hmm. right? So, is one of their steps to make sure that people boil their water before drinking? The next section of my notes is about this. Cool. Um, also, since it is a parasite, once you're infected with it, that doesn't mean you get immunity. Right. It's, it's not, not a like disease. a virus or a bacteria or something like that, where it's like, oh, I got the chicken pox, now mm. I won't get the chicken pox again. Because your immune system doesn't necessarily know how to combat Correct. that. It's not like, oh... Especially if you get the fucking measles. Right. It's not, oh, I I have some 
Dysentery. virus, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This is another organism in itself. Mm-hmm. Also, just for knowledge... The male guinea worm is the smaller of the two, generally around a half inch to 1.2 inches. Um, while the female, can, which is the one that hangs around in your body, can be two to three feet long. And that's the one you have I'm to remove. I'm sorry. Two to three feet long. Yes. Okay, I'm a six. I'm just going to round up. I'm a six foot tall man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's literally what? Yeah. That's like the whole length of your leg. It's literally the whole length of my leg. Except it's not going to be just in there like straight. It's going to be like wrapped around all of your shit. So that's cool. If that thing petrifies... You're fucked. I literally have become crutchy. Mm-hmm. So... So, and it can also be as thick as a spaghetti noodle. Oh, God. So that doesn't sound fun to have removed. Oh, no wonder it burns. Mm-hmm. All the tissue, it's like... And since immunity isn't formed, that means that people that are people can be infected again and again, and they can have multiple emer- multiple yeah, multiple worms emerging simultaneously. So while it's bad enough to just have one guinea worm poking out, you could have three or four. There was one person that was noted to have fourteen, and that's awful. Fourteen. Mm-hmm. Guinea worm disease is only transmitted by drinking contaminated water. So the Carter Center focuses on education and providing filters to prevent people from drinking con- water that is contaminated with the copepods that have ingested the larva. Um, the next big area of prevention that they focus on is keeping people with emerging guinea worms from entering the water sources. Um, so they'll hire locals to guard the water sources and be like, hey, there's a worm sticking out of your leg. You need to stay out of this. Um, Also to enforce filter use. So, you know, people are filling up their water, blah, blah, blah. They'll be like, hey, you need to have a filter here to uh, filter out these copepods. Now, it's not going to protect you from any other disease. It's just filtering out these copepods. But that's a big help. In 1986, the disease was found in an estimated 3.5 million people. Oh, I have done a bad there. Okay. I wrote half of a number. <laughs> Oops. Um, so I wrote that it was found in two countries in Africa and Asia. I want to say it was like 28. I think that, that was the other sense. half of that number. Would make sense, because otherwise, <laughs> where are they getting to 700? Right. Yeah. The population. So 3.5 million people in 20-something countries in Africa and Asia. As of 2018, the incident has been reduced by more than 99.9%. And the Carter Center is currently working to eradicate guinea worm disease in South Sudan, Mali, Chad, Ethiopia, and Angola. That's awesome. Challenges to eradication include the emergence of guinea worm infection infections in dogs. So in 2012, I think there were a decent amount of domesticated dogs in Chad that were found to be carrying this guinea worm. And I think they were taking measures like, um, like deworming medicines for dogs, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they think that this came about because dogs were eating fish or the entrails of fish that had ingested these copepods mm-hmm. that had the larvae in them. 
Another issue is that surveillance surveillance cannot happen in all parts of the affected countries because of internal conflict. So a lot of these are war-torn areas and they can't go in and monitor this because it's really dangerous. Another issue is that some people believe that the worm is a curse or it comes from God. They don't think that it's something that you get out of the water. So they think, therefore, I mean, if this is a curse or it comes from God, you obviously can't prevent this. So why would you bother with any of these prevention or treatment methods? Mm. And that's one of the big pushbacks that they get. In 2018, the estimated cases of guinea worm was around 28, down from 3.5 million in 1986. And I know a couple of years ago, I think, oh gosh, I think it was South Sudan. Their numbers like, had gone way down and all of a sudden they went way up. And President Jimmy Carter, I mean, of the Carter Center, blah, 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 went over there and was basically told the government and was like, what the hell are you doing? You guys had this under control. Now you don't care. And look at what is happening. And they actually paid attention. And, like, got their shit in order, and numbers are declining again. Uh, There's a really good documentary that I believe was put together by the Carter Center. It's called Foul Water, Fiery Serpents. Or Fiery Serpent, singular. Um, That it's, It's less than an hour long. It goes through the stuff that they're doing. Generally, I think it's in the Sudan, which is one of their main focuses now. Um... To help eradicate guinea worm. And they're act- I think they're actually... We're getting pretty close to having this in a, a realm where it could be eradicated in the foreseeable future. Hmm. Um, so they have filters that are like big cloth type things that you put over a barrel that you're pouring your water into to carry back to your house. Mm -hmm. Um, They also have straws that have a filter in them that you can use to drink just from a water source that filter the copepods out. And yeah, so there's, and they, they go in and they find volunteers in the villages and the places that they go and they educate them and they use them to educate the people around them. They put up um, signs that show like a person with Guinea worm Entering a water source, you know, with a big cross through it or something like that. Mm. Just so things that people can understand no matter what language they speak, knowing that like, hey, this is not good. You can prevent it so you don't have to deal with it. There was a a particular section in the movie where someone was talking to a large group of people and they said something like, oh, how many people have been, uh, how many people have had guinea worm? And, you know, the, the translator tells it. So there's a, a pause And then all of a sudden, every single person there raises their hand. Wow. And it's, these people shouldn't have to deal with this. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone there pretty much had it at some point or another in their life. And and where you think about it, where like in our country where it's like, oh, in America, you know, yep, got a cold, that sucks. Where it's like, oh, I've got guinea worm, guess I'm out of work for three months. Like... That's privilege right there. (laughs) Where we don't have to worry about things like that. So that's the guinea worm. It's gross. Yeah, I don't like it. 
I'm over it. I'm leaving. <laughs> good, good day. Good day, sir. Take your worms and leave. <sighs> yeah, no, that's pretty gross. Yeah. The fact that it can be two to three feet long. And you could have multiple coming out at the same time that are two to three feet long. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I just, at that point, just kill me. You just boil them? No. No, no, I don't, I don't mean like currently. Like, I mean like, like for drinking water and stuff. I know they have all these filters and stuff. But it's one of their solutions. Like, I don't like, think so because I think even if the copepods are dead, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that the larvae inside the copepods are dead. Gotcha. So it's the filters that go in. Uh-huh. Thing, not actually, like, and that, like, implementing the filters is what got us from, you know, 3 point million people infected to 28. That's good. Yeah. So. I'm just so surprised that that's so common. Mm-hmm. And it, it's definitely in areas in Africa and Asia and places like this that it's an issue. I didn't see any like any statistics about it being in America or Europe or things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, well, we don't really have to worry about our water source or water sources are pretty clean. Unless you're in Flint. Right. Then you're fucking screwed. Mm-hmm. And you need better officials... Yop. Alright. You ready? <laughs> yeah, let's let's roll for next episode. Let's do it. So I have a set of They're really freaking cool. They are. They are like holographic glitter. They are the glitteriest dice I've ever seen. So I know that like Wiz Dice makes like sparkle vomit. Yeah. And they're supposed to be super sparkly. These like are the... legitimately all glitter. Yeah. Uh, these are handmade. They're made by Lucky Hand Dice. You can look them up on Etsy. I don't even want to talk about how much I paid for these. It was probably more than I should pay for dice, but... Oops. Eh. It's okay. Um, I mean, I guess if we're being fair, it's probably less than you paid for your gravity dice. Yeah, because I paid 100 bucks for gravity dice. Yeah, so it was, it was less than that. But these are handmade, um, hand-inked and all of that. So that's cool. They're super pretty. The next most expensive dice I bought was $55, and that's my stealth dice. Ah. Which I rolled, oh, um, not sure if I told you about this, but uh, I rolled both of them for the first time at our session um, on Saturday. Oh, really? And Ben wanted me to roll them because he wanted to see how much, he didn't tell me this, but he wanted to see how much of what he was about to tell me pertains to my personal backstory. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm looking for, like, my mom and all this other stuff and stuff. I rolled a hundred. Oh, man. On my very first thing. You're you like, can't, you cool. can't tell because I had to put the black light over it. And so I was like, I like, got zero. And I was like, I got a hundred on my first roll. It was really exciting. And then I stayed there for like, that's why I was like pretty late to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, was because I was there for like an extra 40 minutes from divulging all this information. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Those ones I think were 55 bucks. I want to say these were maybe 75. 75? Well, that's pretty, that's hard to draw which, I mean, and they're handmade. So I, a yeah. lot of people were like, oh, that's really expensive for dice. But I feel like this is, if you really they're like, dice, but they're also handmade art. If you, yeah, if you really like the dice and you're going to protect them, that's totally fine. Uh-huh. And I understand, like, labor, materials, you know, artist, yeah, arting. Yeah, the design. And that's, I feel like that's another thing is that artists get shorted a lot in our society where it's like, oh, look at this cool art. I'll give you ten bucks for it. Uh, no. Anyways, here we go.
That is a oh shit! That's a one. That is a one. Son of a Give bitch. Give your d six. Do you want I, to borrow my no, d six? I've got I've got a d six here. This mine has pictures on it. Three. History. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah history. <laughs> yep. So local history, history and education. Shit. Well, there's the Boise Museum. That. I think that's open now too. Not that I'll have time to go to it, but... <laughs> right. Uh, the only time that you'd be able to... Yeah, no, you wouldn't even be able to go tomorrow because it'd be too late. Yeah. Because job. But yeah. You'll figure something out, I'm sure. Right, so, local history. Okay. And then I'm rolling my dice because I don't know how to read. <laughs> science. science! Yeah. Good old science. I actually have a couple of them on this one. That have been really cool. I've been bookmarking a whole bunch of them. Next recording will be a whole new month. What do you mean? It'll be June. It will be June. Yeah. Yeah. Because recording right now is Memorial Day. It will be the 2nd of June. Holy shit. So you got science. And you got local history and education. Maybe you can talk about how we don't teach about sex ed. I'll give the sex ed talk that we get in Idaho, which is don't. Don't. Like, you just don't. Um, well, thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next week to find out what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Bye. If you've got something to say, find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash WTF pod. Email us at wtf.podcast.mail at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WTFAYTA podcast. That's W-T-F-A-Y-T-A, our acronym, podcast. Our music was by Decker Hinckley, and our artwork was by Kirby Morfitt.